He wants to introduce what? I can do Inali and Diwali, or however we say it. Thank I you can for do that pronouncing one. that. I was like, I don't know how to print it. I don't either. <laughs> uh, I was saying Enyale and Diwala in my head, but I, I don't know. That was a guess. Let's just all say it differently. Maybe one of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll hit all of them. All right. Welcome back, folks. Uh, obviously, Helen here. Um, Corey and April are also with me. And we are talking about more manga. That is exactly what you expected when you clicked on an episode of this podcast, I'm sure of it. Anyway, this week for our completed series, we are talking about a title that none of us are entirely positive how to pronounce. Enale and Diwale. It's the sexy one from Kanomai um, Shirahama, a.k.a. The Witch Hat Atelier. It's her sexy series. And then for our ongoing series, we're going to be talking about Boys Run the Riot. So to start with, I'm just cringing every time I've got to pronounce this. I think I'm doing it wrong every single time. (laughs) Inalia and Diwalia. E is an angel. She is a very feather-brained angel. Has maybe three brain cells. Might be a stretch. D is a demon. Has more than three brain cells, but probably less than ten. Uh, E is tasked with, you know, guiding souls to heaven. D is trying to collect souls, you know, of contracts to bind them to hell. And so they have a lot of spats with each other. Occasionally they're roommates. They've definitely blown up at each other for stealing each other's clothes, um, using each other's products. You know, sometimes they're both trying to, you know, lure a priest over to their side. It is basically like a gender-bent version of Good Omens, I feel like, in some ways. Like, there's no overarching plot here. There's no quest to save the world. But it is very homoerotic. There is, I would say, no straight reason to draw women this attractively in a series. But (laughs) um, it is fun to look at. Just really comedic all around. I really enjoyed this series. It could have gone on for as long as I think Shirahama wanted. But it also feels like it ended in a good place at three volumes. Like a nice quick read. Did you guys read the whole thing or just the first volume? Uh, the first volume for me, I actually thought there were only two of them out, so I had just read the first one. I've seen it in the store, um, and I love her other series, so I wanted to pick this one up based just on the art alone. <laughs> yeah, the third volume like just came out in June, I think, or might have gotten pushed back to July, since there have been a lot of manga series that are getting pushed back or bumped these days just because... Uh, manga sales are at a new all-time high in the U.S., and the printers cannot keep up. There's been a number of articles on that recently if people want to look into it more. But, yeah, the Yen Press most certainly has released the third volume out into the world because I possess a copy of it. Yep, I also possess a copy. <laughs> yeah, I remember when this first came out, some people were saying, oh, yeah, it's from the Witch Hat Atelier manga, but, you know, this is something very different, yada, yada, yada. And I was thinking... Is everybody just being polite and saying it's shit? Should I not get my hopes up? <laughs> and I'm reading this and I'm like, this is fantastic. Like, sure, it's sexier, but this is fantastic. What were all you guys going on about? <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this one too. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, 
seeing the angel and a devil like seem to be like all right at their jobs, but uh, they're obviously in or in conflict, direct conflict with each other in what they do. Uh, but also, they both just love dressing nice, looking nice, and are drawn in such a way that suggests that this is a uh, shonen or seinen manga rather than uh, something drawn by the witch Hagatillier person. I didn't know what to expect from this, so I hadn't kept up with the news or whatever, so I didn't know that she had another series out. And when I picked this up and read the back, I'm like, I don't know, this does sound really different from her other series. So I actually didn't print, pick up the in-print copy. I read it digitally for uh, for the podcast, and I think I'll go pick up the rest of those in print. It's it's I think it's a beautiful series, but it's um at least from the first volume, it looks like it's episodic. I don't think there's like an overarching storyline really. Man, there's not. It's pretty episodic. Like sometimes the story is like two or three chapters long instead of just one chapter, but that's the extent of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think the final storyline might be three chapters, but. Like, that's, that's going to be, as Helen said, the extent of it. And I think the only recurring character is this exorcist that kind of comes along and is like, uh, I don't know, he might have 15 also brain cells. terrible at his job. Everybody in yeah. the series is terrible at their job, I think. <laughs> but he's kind of funny. Um, there's a, a priest that is in love with a devil, and that that's kind of an interesting storyline. And uh, I, I think that was one of my favorites. And then the, there is a kid who... What was that story that like sold, uh, or no, con- convinced uh, any the the angel to um, perform a miracle on her mom to save her life? Uh, but she was willing to give up like basically her whole life to save her mom, just to have ten more years, because you know, a relatively relatable concept. Yeah, the priest um, storyline was really funny with just the resolution to it. Also, it <laughs> involves like everybody, or at least a large part of the population of the area get, getting turned into zombies, including E. So, yeah. I, I didn't know angels could be zombies. I think that was a learning experience for all of us. Um, there's a couple of other reoccurring characters, but they're like some of the other angels, or like some of the other demons that D employs. They're all minor characters. You can just go, oh yeah, that person again. Yep. There's a little bit of continuity here, like you should definitely read these three volumes in order. I don't know why you would go out of order for any series, but <laughs> other than that, it's not like you have to remember a lot of details in between volumes if, say, your library is the first volume and then you got to wait, like, five months for the second volume or something like that, you know? And it's also just a really pretty-looking series. Mm-hmm. The style is slightly different than what she does in Witch Hat. Witch Hat has this very, like, pen and ink style, very fairy tale like Well, this feels less like that but it's still really detailed and she seems to love having um e and d wearing like these really fancy complicated outfits on the chapter pages doing these really detailed two-page spreads i mean honestly it feels like she was just showing off there (laughs) yeah yeah i mean obviously she can draw these very uh ornate and fancy looking things in which atelier but she uh either Gax annoyed at having to redraw the outfits in in Eniale and Dwyla. I don't know. I also don't know how to say it, but um, or so then so that's why like every character in which Atelier is dressed relatively the same, uh, or she uh, just wanted to take a break from 
from growing people really fancily. I'm not really sure, but yeah, it really I, comes I through. That has more to do with the settings than anything else, since you would not keep coming up with all of these complex, you know, chapter title pages with outfits if you didn't enjoy doing them. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of how oh, in some clamp series like Holic, you'll have the characters wearing like these practically fashion model clothes on a chapter page, the title page, but then it has absolutely nothing to do with the context of the chapter itself. It's just sort of a, oh, look, look what we can draw. Ha yeah. ha, we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, but it does, it does have purpose in here. They, they had a chapter in the, the third volume when uh, Annie is dressing up and she's like, oh, we have to get ready to bring this soul to the afterlife. And this other person who's a newbie angel is like, oh, who cares? Because we'll we're we're the regular thing. Get them, get out. And then you, they get there, and it's like, oh, the the person is receptive to someone who looks nicer, and it is nicer uh, to going to the afterlife rather than someone who's just like, look, you're gay, let's go. Uh, I do think of that one e is a little bit um, using the ends to justify the means. They're like, oh, look, no, there's a reason I put so much attention to, into my appearance. Yada yada yada. Although that really quick shot of what she looked like when she first became an angel and was very dowdy was funny. <laughs> Although not as funny as the start of the third volume where she's basically turned into a giant puffball yep. because she touched somebody's <laughs> potion that she wasn't supposed to, and now she has 12 wings, <laughs> which uh, Shirahama uses as an excuse to draw E looking rather croquettish and, you know, covering up all the naughty bits with just her wings at times. Like we said, this series definitely feels a bit sexier. Um, yep. Which is totally fine. It's it's attractive sexiness. I agree. This one is a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, not a lot to really dig into because it is pretty episodic and there's not. It doesn't seem like it's trying to really tell you anything larger about the existence of angels and demons. It's just having fun with them. It, it does also posit that all myths are true. Like at one point, the two of them are in Japan to save slash and snare souls. And they keep running afoul of um, local deities in Japan. Since <laughs> I think I think the joke is that Japan is like the home of eight million gods or something along those lines, yeah. having to do with Shinto. And so they keep running across like this one shrine maiden who gets possessed by like five different gods in the course of one night, <laughs> who are all trying to chase these interlopers out of their territory. But yeah, it's a really fun short series, nice and easy to get through. I will maintain it is like a gender-bent version of Good Omens. I mean, it's not in terms of plot, but in the sense of what did people like about that series? They liked the angel and the de- and the devil interacting. It's very much a gender-bent Good Omens. Yep, agreed. So, unless you guys have any other things, I think we'll just call this first half kind of short and talk about Boys Run the Riot. Out of bail, fresh out of jail, California dreaming. Soon as I step on the scene, I'm hearing hoochie screaming. Fainting for money and alcohol, the life of a West Back, and we're here to talk about Boys Run the Riots, uh, published by Kokancha by Keiko, Keito Gaku. Um, it is about a transgender man, uh, female to male uh, high school student who dresses in his um, gym track uniform thingy, uh, so he doesn't have to wear the school uniform skirts. Uh, there is a new kicking town 
named Jin Sakto, and he comes and uh, is dressed very fashionably. He's held back a year. Everyone thinks he's kind of a delinquent person, um, just because he has bad grades, um, and I believe he missed some attendance as well. Um, but he, uh, they, they happen to meet at a pop-up shop, which if you're not into th- things, I guess, and pop-up shops are kind of everywhere for everything now but um this specifically is for fashion and they uh meet each other at this place by accident and they both go to grab the same shirt uh and after that they decide or jinx sides that he wants to start a brand with the other character who i guess i couldn't name but his name is uh rio watery uh he's, he's mostly called watery i believe in in the manga and uh just to avoid using the the female name but uh, they they set out to start a brand, and I found this extremely interesting as someone who is uh, vaguely familiar with streetwear culture and definitely familiar with sneaker culture. It is something, uh, or it is an interesting take on the way uh, in which transgender individuals try to express themselves and the way that clothes can be used to express uh, someone's person. Like, they, when they're outside of school, he is dressing very uh, masculine in, like, these uh, hoodies and uh, sweatpants, and they, they both wear wear sneakers. Um, Wakari is wearing a pair of Harachis, and Jin is wearing a pair of Air Force Ones, uh, both classic shoes, but... Uh, I got really into this through the, the streetwear brand stuff, and I think it is uh, just a, a good way for people, and especially, uh, maybe especially trans people, to just express their individuality. Uh, but Helen, you were not able to read it because you forgot, but April, what do you think? In my defense, uh, I got it mixed up with my review schedule where I'm not reviewing it this week, but soon, so I also thought it was not this podcast but soon. And so, yeah, I feel like it's an idiot. Yeah, this is another one that I saw recently and was excited that we picked it up for the podcast. Um, I think so far what's interested me the most is kind of watching them like try to build the brand. Even the little things like um, when they talk about like, okay, we need to set up a website and they, they briefly talk about like how easy that is. Like anybody can set up a storefront now online. You just kind of set it up and then we've got to get on social media. Like I liked watching like all the different steps they went through to do that and it, it it made me think that at least the initial setup and all that is so much easier now than it would have been years ago when <laughs> you have social media i mean i didn't yeah. even realize that like oh we can just set up a storefront it takes like two seconds it just the, that part of it um really interested me and then i'm just interested to see how their like friendship developed over time because it happens pretty quickly they literally bump into each other um in a store and it kind of goes from there he's like hey i want to build a brand with you um so it's pretty quick and i kind of want to see how they get to know each other or how their relationship changes as they build the brand um together yeah and i i did like how um it is a manga about you know uh expressing yourself in in these particular ways through your brand uh not like hashtag brand on Twitter, but, like, through a literal streetwear brand. Um, and it extends not just uh, from from the two main characters with Jin and Wakari, but also to this photography club character who just really 
is the only member of the photography club and he really wants to be able to take pictures of things that he's interested in, but he doesn't really have an advisor to um, to really back him up on that, and he doesn't have peers either, but now he joins with these two, and he is allowed to uh, have this space to be able to take his pictures and to really uh, enjoy doing what he's doing. Um, and uh, I, I did want to point out there first, uh, Wachery is like also an artist, and he draws uh, a brand's not a brand logo, but like a, a first t-shirt for their brand, and it's, uh, you can't really read it in the in the picture, but it says, no shame in my game, and then if you roll up the sleeve, it will say it in, I don't know, some sort of sans-serif font that's actually readable. Uh, but I did like that little touch, it's like, um, if you look closely enough, you can see what it's about, and if you look underneath the, uh, underneath what is, uh, Initially, there you'll you'll really catch the what what they're trying to say, and I like the uh, the message message. That's not really message. What what he was trying to do with that in terms of um, like trans identity and uh, nope, that's that's the end of the sentence. <laughs> well, and I also so like I, there's the chapter a little closer to the end when, when they start to want to take photos there's the classmate that has the camera and I, I liked that story just because it feels like all of the characters are kind of um, there's a piece of themselves that they like that they sort of aren't comfortable being in public or um, they're kind of worried about being themselves and I, I like that particular chapter just because there was a third character who I guess liked to take pictures but then there's a whole incident with the camera and et cetera, et cetera. that was really interesting and just a break from those two main characters and then at the end of the first volume we have another uh, trans character introduced but there's not a whole lot about that character they're introduced like within maybe the last two pages or so yeah and I found that like, I guess in these uh, LGBTQ plus narratives in manga we typically see more than just the one um and I will be interested to see how how it contrasts with uh, what they've what the the mangaka has done so far. Um, and there's an extensive interview in the back with Keito Gaku in, as well, and goes into detail about how he uh, he is also uh, he's also trans female male and wants to draw specifically a female male trans story because he sees a lot of male to female trans stories, but um, not as much for female to male, and he also uh, like collaborated with um, street artists to be able to create. So they, there's a mural that I tweeted, and also is in the middle of the book somewhere. That's like a uh, a person unzipping another set of person skin and uh, escaping from it, which is you know very um, very striking as in terms of an image. Um, and another cool thing about this manga is that the editor and uh, the entire localization team is, uh, is it LG- they're either, I think they're all LGBTQ plus. Uh, oh, no, they're all... They might all even be trans. Yes, um, all trans localization team. That is also in the back in a, an acknowledgement page, which is cool. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't catch that. 
I completely understand. Yeah, there's a pretty extensive interview back there, and I thought that was a nice um, thing to have because I hadn't heard of the author before. And the, it's it's a pretty long interview. We occasionally get like a couple of questions here and there in other series, but this is a pretty long interview just about um, the author's process and et cetera. There's a bunch of good stuff back there, and I really like the cover for this one. Like, of, naturally, that's like one of the first things that I saw when I saw the book, and um, I probably would have picked it up. Uh, just on that alone, the cover is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that cover, I guess, is a uh, English release only cover. Like they, he, oh, that's right, they do mention that. Yeah, he drew this and colorized a lot of stuff because I guess there is no color version in Japan. So um, for fans of manga, this is just a very cool thing that we we get to get. And um, like I don't know, I I just really really enjoyed this one. I liked the teacher like- who who bought some Shaolong Bao and shared one, but not two. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Had a whole bunch of them. But yeah, Helen, I'd still like, I'd still want to hear uh, your thoughts when you do get the chance to read it because it is it is pretty good. Well, the plan is to do a review of it, so soon the whole internet will hear my thoughts on it. You cannot <laughs> stop me. <laughs> and also, I know that Kodansha put out, I think, a video interview with the mangaka as well on their YouTube channel. I haven't watched it yet, but I've got it bookmarked for later, so. It's really cool to see them putting in the extra work with these essays, interviews, etc. for um, a work like this. Um, I haven't read it, but I've definitely seen some of my female to male friends talk about how there's not nearly as many characters like them who are trans. You tend to see more um, male to female characters. So, yeah, I'm really happy that this got brought over and you're like a total dumbass for not reading in time for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, Alan. We can get your thoughts next time. Uh, yeah. And we can also, I'll also link to your article once you, or your review once you post that. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've read some other stuff. Uh, Love Me for Who I Am. Um, what is the other one? Our Dreams at Dusk. Uh, there's a couple other ones that I'm not thinking of right now. I think about- almost all of those are male to female. Yep. Or straight-up non-binary characters, though. <laughs> yep. Yeah, next. Uh, and next to the thing, it's like, especially something like Love Me For Who I Am, uh, it feels like they are just drawn as a female anime character, whereas, uh, and not to, like, invalidate that, of course, but that is the uh, impression and appearance that I get, whereas Boys Run the Riot, it does look like Wakari is uh, believably female appearing but also um dressing uh very outwardly masculine does anybody know how long this series is or is it gonna be let's google it I'm just, yeah i'm just curious about that there's a wikipedia bit uh it's ongoing four volumes currently and the next one is due out in two weeks yeah so hopefully we get another cool cover <laughs> yeah hmm, manga update says it's complete in four okay uh but it was serialized in Kodansha's Weekly Young Magazine before being transferred to Kodansha's Comic Day's manga app. Is that my UI? Anyway, it is at least four volumes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to reading more of this. This was uh, highly enjoyable, and I, um, I'm obviously all for more trans narratives, but uh, for me personally, I am all for uh, streetwear and sneaker culture. Corey's a sneakerhead, guys, in case you guys haven't seen this. I think he's got, like, an entire second closet for shoes at this point. <laughs> second closet. There is an entire rack behind me. I can turn on my camera after we, we stop recording. Uh, but anyone have anything else on either of these before we end the episode? I would definitely recommend it. This is one that I would pick up. 
Yep, agreed. Uh, Alright, so where can we find you both on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mongeorin. I'm still there and I'm still alive. You can find me on Twitter at Wandering Dreamer, and you can find the other podcast I co-host and site write, write reviews also on Twitter at the OASG. You'll find links to all the reviews, the website, the podcast, etc. if you go on the Twitter. Um, and occasionally I crash into Corey's other podcast, one of them, Taiku Podcast, where we were recently talking about those Snow White Notes, which is an anime based off a of manga. It's a good manga, and it's a good anime, and we just had a whole lot of feelings on that. About Shamisen. That, too. Feelings about Shamisen and characters. Yep. Uh, all right, you can find me on Twitter, at ImpassionateK. You can find the podcast on Twitter, at Manga In Your Ears, and you can find all of our episodes over at TaikuPodcast.com. That is T-A-I-I-K-U. And uh, that's it for three weeks. We'll talk to you all then. Bye.